Welcome to the What is Happening in Salt Lake podcast series, brought to you by slc.gov and the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. The purpose of the podcast series is to review topics relevant to Salt Lake-based business owners and startups, as well as to highlight success stories from other entrepreneurs. Hello, my name is Bryce Hanson, the Associate Director for the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center located at the Salt Lake Community College Miller Campus. Our work is to help business owners in the community prepare for funding events and to be smarter in business. Co-hosting with me today is Roberta Reichelt of Salt Lake City, as well as Will Wright of Salt Lake City. Go ahead and introduce yourselves to us, please, you guys. Sure. Thanks, Bryce. We both work for Salt Lake City Department of Economic Development. We are local business managers, so we support the local business scene in Salt Lake City. That's your brick and mortar, your retail restaurant, bars. We like to say that we make Salt Lake City cool. Will, go ahead and introduce yourself as well. So I'm Will Wright, also with Salt Lake City Economic Development, and we do like to think that we help make Salt Lake City cool. Just connecting businesses to resources available to them. It is a cool city for sure. It's nice to uh, be downtown and the energy and everything that's going on down there. Now, there's a lot of noise out there about the changing nature of business, namely that commerce is picking up online and that offline traditional retail is in trouble. That may or may not be true in various cases. But what is true is that consumer habits and how they interact with brands are changing and social media sites are creating advertising opportunities for these brands. Instagram is one of the largest online social media sites in the world. For some products and brands, it would be a great way to engage with their customers if they know how to do it. With us today is our guest, Emily Ashby, founder of Camera Coats and an expert in Instagram. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Expert, Bryce. You know, that's a high bar. Very high. But I you have are, learned you, a lot over expert, the years, yes. so thank you. So take us just a couple of minutes as we get started and tell us about your story and how you got started with Instagram. Sure. So I started a business in 2011. After doing a year and a half of market research, I pretty much had found a manufacturer here locally for my product and was really taking advantage of everything. And, you know, as a new business owner, you're trying to learn as much as you can. And at that time, social media had just started to really kind of take off. So I was an early adopter, which ended up being really helpful for me. I was able to understand the algorithms early on. And so led me then after I got a patent for my product, I kind of started looking at local higher learning institutions to see if I could find interns and then ended up teaching and developing curriculum. And so from there, it just kind of was, a you know, one of those networking things where I ended up in a position where I've been teaching here at the Small Business Development Center and at the U and other places around the Valley. So it's been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot. I think the value that I probably could add is a small business owner, but also I think that my specialty really does lie in the micro business area. I recently got my master's degree from Westminster and that's... Congratulations. Been, thank you. Applause. Is there a cheering section? Thank you. Wow. And I survived <laughs> community leadership, nonprofit management. And so I found myself helping um, marketing and especially with social media for nonprofits as well. So I feel like the micro business is kind of where I've been able to find that my tactics are very helpful and I can, I've seen success for local businesses and it's been really great. Great. Now, journey. Now, camera coats, uh, a little bit about camera coats, just maybe. You know. Sure. So I was a young mom, okay, not young, but 
young children. I had young children and we were traveling a lot and it was the time of blogging. So like I said, I kind of was an early adopter. And part of that mm -hmm. is having good photography. So I got one of those, I call them Costco cameras, like the Nikon that you see it or Canon you see at Costco. And I wanted to take my camera with me everywhere, but I didn't want to have to carry a huge bag. So I had created just on my own a padded fitted cover and then ended up taking that with me everywhere I went. And after doing a lot of market research and tapping into some of your resources with patents here, Eric Erickson, some of the other resources that are here, um, was able to get a patent for that. So yeah, and then just went from there. Awesome. That is so cool to hear. Also, you know, Instagram, you've worked in the platform, but you also do Etsy. Is that right? Yes. I am a believer at the micro level that you create profiles on all of these platforms that are out there so that you can have a presence. You never know where your clients or your mark, you know, it depends on if your product or service. But I think having a presence on every social media, even if you're not engaging as much, just because you're exposing yourself to an audience that may not be tapped into. So yeah, and Etsy was one of the ways that early on, I, you know, I've told you stories about kids selling acorns and making $1,200 and crazy stories just by understanding how to use the platform. So yeah, a little bit of a scrapper. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And that's outside of our scope for our discussion today, yeah. but Etsy is another one we could we could dive into at another time. So Instagram, going back to Instagram, how many people are on Instagram every day? Yes. Do you know, like as far as consumers yes. or people just engaging with the platform? Yeah. The last stat that I read was about 500 million, which actually kind of blows my mind. 500 million people a day. A day. Wow. Yes. Would have access to your one post. To your one post. You, yeah. You know, that exposure is huge. So getting it into the right eyes and the right feeds is can be very, very helpful for a micro business or small business. Yeah. Awesome. So we work with a lot of businesses in Salt Lake, small local ones, your restaurants, your bars. And how do you see the value of them using Instagram as a platform to market themselves? Yeah, there are a lot of benefits. I think that those that have done it well, uh, Lizzie's does it very well. There's some local restaurants that have really been able to tap into that and have seen the success. I think one of the greatest things about Instagram, especially for local businesses, is you're able to geotag and hashtag in a way that you can get into the local feed. So yeah, there's a billion users, but how many are going to come to Salt Lake and look for a restaurant. But by utilizing those features, it just opens you up to having that much more exposure. So can you dig into the geotag? Yeah, yeah. So geotag is just a geographic location tag, which a lot of people, it's kind of like when you're filling out the forms or you're filling out a new profile and you're, you're like, eh, I don't want to fill out the description and I'm not going to put in my location. Well, those are ways that the algorithm can actually access where who you are and what you're doing, and then give that information to other people. So if you're not, for example, tagging when it says add location, you're not tagging Salt Lake City, then you're less likely to have people in Salt Lake City see you because somebody may you know search for Salt Lake City. And if you don't have that tag, they don't know where you are. And I've actually recently, I'll just throw this in. I was I follow um, a local television station. They have a lifestyle show and I'm following their feed. And okay, I won't mention names, but they have a lot of followers, over 30,000 followers. But in their posts, they're only the engagement as far as likes is 50 to 100. And so in my last class, we kind of examined that and found one of the reasons why is because they don't even geotag Salt Lake City or use hashtags. So if you're just posting, 
only the people that are following you are going to see that. You're not actually going to get that exposure that you need to have be able to, people to be able to find you. So by doing that, that amplifies your exactly. audience times mm-hmm. many. Mm-hmm. So you get, yeah. So if somebody's searching Salt Lake City, you could get featured in an Instagram feed. And that's my goal when I teach classes is I want everybody to get, I teach them how to get featured. So it's just free views. And so that's what's fun about Instagram, especially if you're a small business without a lot of money to spend on marketing, but you have these resources that use effectively, they can be really effective. Can we dive into that just a little bit more? I'd be really interested to know, you kind of went into one of the things to do and not to do. Are there a couple more? Is that like, what are some of the most common mistakes that businesses make when they're going on Instagram? And what are maybe some of the things they're overlooking that they should be doing? Great question. The first question that I get asked is, do I really need a business account? And I've even recently have been hired to go in and consult with businesses. And I find that they don't have a business account. So they don't actually have access to all those analytics, the insights. So what that provides you is an opportunity to look at who's finding you, what those demographics are. Is it men, women, where are people located? So as a local business, you'd hopefully want those followers to be there. All this information is given to you after you have 100 followers. So if you're not a business account, you're not, you don't have access to any of that. Yeah, that's a big one. Another one is, again, not using geotags and hashtags. I just mentioned that. But hashtags, I think some people think they're just kind of a trendy, cool thing. Well, all a hashtag really is, is an indicator that this word is searchable. So if you think about Instagram as an app, an app isn't like Google that has this infinite amount of resources to you know, provide this search engine. Instagram is a, is a small, relatively speaking, platform where the way that they developed, they kind of followed the guide of Twitter with the hashtag is they said, we can't search every word like Google. But what we can do is we can create an indicator to say this is the word that's going to be the search term or the search word. Or you could use a keyword. You know, you've heard all these terms. So it could have been anything could have been an exclamation point. It could have been it could have been anything. But the hashtag symbolizes searchable, which means if you're not using a hashtag, people can actually search and find you. And this is a common mistake. People, I'm not trendy. I don't know. That's so interesting you say that just because in my personal experience, I always thought the hashtag was like something witty that you would just put on there. But I didn't know there was like a purpose behind it. Yeah. And I too did the snarky early on, the snarky, because we didn't know. I mean, these we're all learning, right? So I do like the hashtag funny little quote or really long, you know, sentence. And as I found, as I was watching my analytics, I wasn't getting as much engagement with these hashtags as I was with doing maybe for my company, camera bag for women. Oh, like someone or for travel or traveling versus kind of these funnier, bigger or being too big, even going hashtag bag is hard because there's so much competition out there. So are you recommending on your hashtags to make them a little more kind of longer in form versus the shorter? I mean, yeah, is that what you're saying? Like a long tail, long tail yeah, I, I play with both. And one of the penalties that you do get is if you just copy and paste your hashtags from one post to another. Instagram is the goal of Instagram. And I talk about Instagram like it's in person, but we know Instagram is not. But the goal of Instagram is to make us as consumers happy, right? So if Instagram's goal is to make sure that they are, you know, getting to the information that we are presenting into the right hands, um, the algorithm is constantly changing because we change as consumers. The way that we tell Instagram if we like something is how long we stay on a story or a post. If we like, follow, share, 
comment. And now save is a really great metric. So if you can get people to save your post, it really helps your organic reach. So my point is that as you're using these things, you'll find that for some posts and some things using a shorter hashtag may be more effective. And for some, it's longer. But if you look at every post on Instagram right now, it says view insights. You can click on that, swipe up, and you can see how many people found you from your hashtags now, which before we couldn't do. So we were funny. We were really funny in the beginning, like making up these things. But now I can look and I just had a client recently. She has a new under 100 followers and I'm teaching her these things. And she had a post with an amazing piece of content and was able to reach 600 people, which is huge. 550 of them came because of her hashtags. And those analytics are free? Those analytics are free. And it's very fun. If you like to kind of delve into the stats, I wasn't that person. And now I'm like, oh, give me the data. Where are the people? <laughs> so Emily, how often should a small business post and how much time might it take someone to do that? That's a really great question. And I think um, I get asked that. It's probably second most frequently asked question. And my answer is, it depends. So I can't say for one or the other, what's going to be the most effective. But what I can say is, what is your end game? What is your goal? So when you're trying to talk about connecting with audiences, you have to think about each one of these followers is an individual. And how you're going to present that message is going to depend. Now, on top of that, are you going to add value to their lives? We have competition. 71% of businesses right now are on Instagram. So if you're not on, your competitor is. And when you're, if you're on there with your competitor, how are you going to differentiate yourself? Well, people get annoyed. It's like you go on the first date, right? And you're sitting by the person and you're like, you know what? This isn't so bad until you get over the date and they're texting you every minute. And you're like, you know, they're not a bad person, but I don't know if I'm that committed yet. And we do that as businesses. We're like, oh, I need to post five times a day. I just got a new follower. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. They may buy something and then you're still like, oh, I'm here. And guess what happens? They stop engaging. They stop liking and following. And that triggers the algorithm to no longer send your information to them. So by over being overbearing, it actually can penalize some businesses. Now, if you every day, like if you're an entity, and I've seen brands do this very successfully where they actually have something to say. And every day they're saying, this is what the weather is, or you have something that you're actually adding, then yeah, that could work. So it really comes down to thinking about really connecting. I mean, these are humans. These are potential customers. How would you connect with them in real life? And then kind of transfer that over and say, would you call a customer every day that just shopped at your shop, right at your restaurant? Right, right. But maybe so once a week they look for something to eat. So Yeah. That's kind of my philosophy behind that. That kind of leads to another question then. So what types of brands, types of businesses or services, products are doing well on Instagram and which ones may not be doing well or may, may not be a good fit? Yeah. I think like Roberta said, every there's, I mean, Instagram is such a great resource for all businesses. So having a presence on Instagram, even if you're not posting a lot is important. But to answer your question, I think the most successful brands in every industry and some of these tactics that I've develop, you know, that I've realized I can apply to nonprofit, small business, large business, because they're about connecting. So those that are connecting are not only adding value, but doing so in a way that is very aesthetically pleasing. We're very, I mean, when you go to neuroscience and marketing, we're talking about connecting with eyes. So one tip that I often give is if you're trying to connect with an audience, 
if you want to make like when we meet as humans, we shake hands and look in each other's eyes. So having a model looking right at the camera would attract people. But then you're like, wait a minute, but I don't want them to look at I don't want the model to take away the attention. I want it to be my product. Okay. So then you have them look at the product. So these are the type of things that you go, oh, even so I have kind of a cutish dog, Clara. But I thought if I can build a digital, if I can build an Instagram account for her, then I can do anything. So I realized early on that the best engagement she gets, she has like 13,000 followers. <laughs> this is my, these are my little challenges to myself. So she, the best engagement she gets is when she's looking at directly at the camera, it's connecting. That's how our, I mean, think about our brains, we connect, right? Or something that's stimulating our brains in another way, which for her is being out in Utah in the mountains or the fall or adding this kind of pleasant feeling or whatever, you know, is happening in the brain. And then she gets higher engagement. So let's talk about the pictures a little bit more. Sure. Like how important are those? I realized like for me, the ones that draw my attention the most are like food probably pictures. That's pretty easy. Like put together a nice looking food picture. Boom, you got it. But what or the if, opposite where it looks like garbage and you're like, and you're oh, like, that is not really, I've had that and it's good, but they just hurt themselves <laughs> yes. by posting that piece That could of, work against you too. What is it? Cardboard chopped up? Right. Or, I'm kidding, but not really. <laughs> but say you're like a retail product, mm -hmm. you know, like a purse or something you're trying to sell. Like you said, focus on the product, not the person. So how important is it to get the right picture up, yeah. up on there? Well, content's everything. Instagram was created to be a photo sharing app, which is why you will find that words and quotes, anytime that you're filling your feed with words, most likely it won't get as much engagement. It's, so, it's too much work for our brains. Our brains process images 66% faster than words. So when you're flipping through and people don't want to take the time, but you could, they may not... Their eye might not be caught by a word that you've put in a quote, but it may be caught by a color or a feeling or something unique about whatever that content is that you've posted. So I think that photography, the videos are everything. And I look at it now when we're developing business accounts as an extension of what you would post on LinkedIn. Because if you're trying to build credibility, especially if you're a new business and you have all this competition, you posting pictures of yourself on the beach, even though your business may be consulting wellness. Okay. Most likely it's not a professional picture. It's not something you'd post on LinkedIn or want to be part of your portfolio. Or when you meet a new client, you wouldn't say, here's what I do. But that's what people think about our Instagram feed. So usually if I help a, a, a business or an organization, I have to archive 95% of their photos, which means they're not deleted. You have them there. And then we get stock photos or we have a good photo session with the photographer Food photography is extremely difficult. It's better not to post than to post something that looks like garbage and makes people not want to go. At least if they're neutral, they may come. But as soon as you negatively affect your business, and I think that's what I see more of is people thinking, well, I have to post and I have to do this. This is what everybody says. And I have to tell my story why. But if it is not good and it doesn't connect, it can actually hurt your brand more than help it. Well, you had mentioned Lizzie's, you know, are they using a professional camera or are yes. they using other yes. iPhones? Okay, for sure. Photographer, right? yes. And I find that I actually have a really good peak studios photography. She is helped food with by Tom and some other locals. I hire, I recommend her highly. You need a photographer that knows how to take 
boot photography. Unfortunately, just hiring your cousin's sister, who's a teenager and group on social media. This is I can't 90% of the people I help are like, I don't know. So I'm going to give it to my neighbor. She's cute. She's got like a thousand followers because she's cute. It doesn't matter what she posts. She's cute, but whatever. And then you go into business and there's no strategy. And I think another misnomer, Will, is that people think, well, I can just post and leave it. But if you want people to engage, the best thing to do is post and spend 20 minutes then looking up those hashtags that you just used and finding people that are going to connect or going into individuals' accounts and just by liking with those little hearts what they've posted, it sends them an indicator that says, Lizzie's just liked your photo. And they're like, what's Lizzie's? There's one touch in that sales cycle. You know, the smaller the price, the smaller the sales cycle. So that it may be the only one touch that's like, oh, Bryce just recommended this or he just liked this. So it must be good. But if you're more expensive, it may take a few touches. So that would be one. They come to your feed. If it looks like crap, you've just lost them, right? So you got to think about that as your portfolio and separate your personal life. Even the biggest brands that I know, Clean Simple Eats, my cute neighbor, Erica, and her husband, JJ, 150,000 followers. And she posts very kind of personal, but very business personal things, professional. But she also has her personal account that's private that I follow that she actually, we don't care on the side what our personal life, because these are for we, our audience's friends and family. So even big people, big bloggers or big people who are their, you know, their selves, it's better if they, you know, can curate to that audience versus, you know, throwing up these pictures that don't resonate and then people are lost. So Instagram wants authentic or real interaction between the brands or influencers and people on the platform. Are bots working anymore? Were they working in the past? What's yes, the status that's a great for, question. for There was a time when we were all very ignorant. And an early adopter that I am, I got on Fiverr and for $5 bought 25,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. So don't... Which ended up being the worst thing for me personally as a brand because I'd go to trade shows and they would say, how did you get all these followers? Because nobody had that many followers at the time. And I bought them is what... No. Oh, I mean, I looked like a phony. And then more importantly, this is early on, I realized how much more important engagement is versus followers. Because you'd look at my engagement and I'd have a post and it would have like 10 likes. I think I had 8,000 followers before. So it was probably more than that. But there was a big disparity. So when Instagram in 2014 started, I call it a scrape where they just started scraping out all these fake accounts. And everybody has them because people have bought bought, you know, paid to have these bots. So everybody has them. So it's not your fault if you have them. But they start scraping it out. And then all these numbers start dropping, right? And so it's really inauthentic. And in my opinion, can really hurt a brand if you aren't being authentic. It, and there's other reasons why that bots are... Not only do they hurt your authenticity, but more importantly, people are looking for that percentage of engagement. So it used to be that influ a good influencer would have four to six percent. I just read today it's one to three now. One to three percent. One to three percent. So if you have ten thousand followers, a good engagement would be having how many people? So a thousand is ten percent. I'm gonna walk you. This is how I walk through it with yeah, my so clients. Yeah, so thousand people. Okay, so if you four have to six hundred likes would be good, right? Who's getting four hundred to six hundred likes? Well, a good influencer. And if you look on an influencer, where I, all these things I've talked about, their feed looks good, they're engaging, they're adding value. That's the space. That's even 4%, if you can get 400 likes. So you think about a business who has a thousand followers, there's a local talent. I helped a local talent agency, Moda, 
And I was able to help their talent develop their own profiles. I developed some strategies and help for them. And there's a one of their talent right now. We just examined her one of these classes. Her name is Saviana, S-A-V-I-E-N-A. She has maybe 1,200 followers. She's an aspiring actress, model, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But her engagement is through the roof. She will get six to 800 likes per post. So if I'm a brand and I want somebody who's going to advocate... So micro- 6 to 800 out of 1,200 people. Out of 1,200 people, 1200 so people following her. And her engagement. hashtags are okay. Wow. okay. But that's huge. Her, mm-hmm. she is able... I mean, you want an ROI on your investment as a brand. This is who you want talking. And the more and more brands are finding it's not worth paying people who have 150,000 followers big bucks because then when they go to actually look at how many items they sold, their engagement is so little. And people are used to the story. So, oh, she's wearing another shirt. Or... If they're really good at it, it may be good. But someone like Saviana for a local business, get her to eat at your restaurant, take a snapshot, have her tag your restaurant, have her hashtag it. And then you post the picture of her eating at your restaurant. And all of a sudden, she posts it. You have 1,200 followers of hers that were just exposed, plus all of that great, you know, collaboration. I'm... Yeah. So I just, I've, and Mackenzie Truman's another talent. She does a really good job of connecting with influencers. So these brands, you'll get these DMs. It's like, Hey, do you want to work? Did you get these messages where they're like, Hey, do you want it? Roberta's like, no, no one sends me this month. They will <laughs> now after this one, maybe Bryce says, <laughs> Hey, do you want to Clara, the dog gets brands like bark? Hey, do you want to model a <laughs> bandana, right? A dog bandana. And so I look and I'm like, well, I could do that. And I would give them free, right? Free messaging. And influencers are like, no, I want to get paid. So they'll pay him $100 and then Clara will wear it. And then they will go on their merry way, right? So I think that tapping into the micro, you know, for micro businesses, finding these you know, micro, people, these influencers that are a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit not small, the 30, less than 10,000 yeah. followers, but their engagement is amazing. Right. So that's a really important strategy. It's not about getting, you know, the, the person that has more followers necessarily. It's the one that is actively getting the likes and the engagement on their platforms. So that's something to look at when you're looking for influencers. Thanks for the recap. With that in mind, so what are some tools, some software tools, some other things that as a brand, as we're working with companies, our clients, are there tools out there that we can definitively say, hey, this influencer has high engagement or there's kind of a score there that this one truly is what they say they are versus, hey, they have 150,000 followers and maybe 100,000 are bot followers, right? They're, they're not real legitimate followers. Is there an easy way or a way for brands to dig in and, and find yes. that out? There are tools out there, but if you're like me and you don't have a lot of time to do research because this is like the fifth thing on your list of things to do as a small business mm-hmm. owner, I go back to these the what I just mentioned earlier is that I just look at their engagement. I look at how many comments are they positive. It's kind of like a Google review. You go, you take a look, you go to the website, you check it out, look if see if it see if that influencer or that person actually could reflect your brand in a positive way. I've had people contact me for camera coats and I'll go to their site and I'll look and I'm like, oh, this is not who I want promoting my product. On the other end, I've had influencers contact me and say, hey, I'm going on a trip to Tahiti. Can I have a bag? And at the time, this particular, I was writing my thesis and I didn't have time. You know how it is. So I was like, oh, I'll just send her a bag. And I forgot. So it's like the week before I'm leaving. So I just package it up and I have my little kit, you know, my press kit, I send it. And about a week later, I'm getting um, 
start getting my sales just on a Friday afternoon. I think I had 25 or 30 sales, which usually without, usually I have to do something. So I'm like, this is strange. And then I get a text from a friend who's like, okay, this is huge. And flights from home, the woman from flights, it was her. So she had just by posting this in, I was at the end of her story and she had tagged and I gave her a discount code so I could track, you know, I could see that my art didn't pay her, but she, and she loved the product. And then for free, she talked about it. And then I was able to recoup all of those sales just from having that. And I think it's good karma too. You know, it's not always, what am I going to get? What are you going to get? How am I going to do that? I think that in small business, we need to support each other. And it's not about, you know, well, that's, as I know the owner of this. I think most people would say it's better to like have a, for one strategy is getting together with a bunch of restaurants and saying, let's do kind of like dine around, but we'll have a giveaway where four restaurants in the same area that people would that live in that area would say, usually we go here, but maybe we should try this. And they do this, right? People are looking for different alternatives. So maybe creating a giveaway where each of those restaurants gives away a gift card and then people tag a friend that lives that they want to take with them. And all of a sudden, it's not so much competitive. It's all of a sudden we're in this boat together, living in Salt Lake and trying to create this great community. And let's make it happen on on Instagram. I am seeing that quite a bit, the giveaway, you know, that tactic as far as tag somebody in this and then you'll be entered for a drawing of something. So you think that's pretty valuable? So it was about five years ago. It was the way to go because what they would do is they would say not only and they still do, but they would say, um, here, we want you to be a part of this loop. Like I was remember my fake 25,000 followers. So everybody, these big bloggers were like, oh, she's big. Come be. And so I'm like, I suck. But here I am. And so they said, we're going to do it. They called it a loop or a round robin. And basically what you did, you do is you say, if they used to make it, Instagram was a little bit more archaic. So you would actually have to click on, like there would be five people, part of the giveaway, and you click on each one in order to enter the giveaway. You had to go to their account and follow them. So we would actually have to time when we were all posting. So that way we could get around the loop anyway. It was, a, oh my God. but now all you have to do is tag the picture. It's much easier. So I did one and got 500 followers in one day which was amazing. And these are like people, usually you want to get people in your same industry. So it was very helpful, but it's kind of been overplayed in the past, probably five years. So I wouldn't, I would throw that in as part of a strategy, but I wouldn't use that as like your go-to strategy over making good hashtags and creating good content. I think if the opportunities there, don't avoid it, but I don't think that giveaways are as great as they used to be because two, they're saturated. So just something to think about. So Emily, what would you say, uh, you know, as we nearing the end of our discussion here, what are the three maybe top tools? Are, are there tools that people use in conjunction with Instagram to make it just a little bit easier to manage? What would you say would be your, your, your top three tools or resources as you're working with Instagram? I, content tools would be my number one, my number one re- um, recommendation. And by content, I mean, when you're creating anything that is going to reflect your brand. Even if it's not on Instagram, there are tools like Canva is really easy to use and you can size your photos. There's Adobe Spark. There's 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 a lot of them out there. I think tapping into local resources is huge as well. Like I mentioned, uh, Peak Photo. I think finding for $150 an hour, you can find someone who will come and take pictures of your food and give you enough content for a good six months of weekly posts that are really going to connect, not just, yeah, not just a one-time thing. Um, And along those lines, tapping into the local talent, like having somebody like Saviano or tapping into a local talent agency where 
you know, some of these models are just trying to get experience. I've done this a lot with camera coats where I'm, I have a student who I'm like, eh, maybe she models. And then she's kind of, she's cute and she comes and there's a, it actually is a skill I've <laughs> discovered because my friends at lunch, I'm like, everybody after lunch, I'll buy you lunch if you'll model for me. And you know, it looks better when you're, when you know how to stand and you know how to like kind of strategize how you're going to sell the product. So tapping into people who are, even if they're new models, they shouldn't know enough, or you could ask for someone who has enough, you know, influence to, to be able to get those resources. So content creation is huge. And there are hashtag generators, but I find that the best way to connect, especially early with your business, isn't to rely on these tools, is to do it yourself. Because the advantage is you're learning the right questions to ask. You're learning what your your audience wants. I think it does, you do a disservice when you start to just delegate all of this out when a huge part of engaging with your, you know, community is responding to those direct messages, responding to the comments, seeing what they're saying. If you pay someone else to do that, you're not even in touch enough to know what that means. And for me, that was huge early on because as soon as I could connect with someone with my product, I could make a sale. It was like hands down. So yeah, a lot of, lot of good tools. So are there resources to skill up on this stuff if you do need, want some advice and help? You guys offer some classes here? Yeah, I mean, Emily actually is our Instagram instructor. We have Emily here probably three times a year, roughly, rather than we'll do a, a beginning course for Instagram. And we're actually working on a, another kind of a series of Instagram workshops that we're looking to the spring, kind of a, you know, one, two, three punch. Boot or, camp this weekend, the 23rd. Boot, that's right. Yeah. Boot camp this weekend. We're on trying the 23rd. a boot camp a day long instead of, because as you can imagine, I mean, this podcast is an hour and I've scraped the surface. I'm developing a workbook. So over the past five years, as I've gotten into this space, I've, de- I've recently taught a lifetime learning class at the U and it was a six week class for small businesses. And so I developed this workbook that I'm going to be introducing December 1st, hopefully in enough time for local businesses to tap into that. Because what I find is even if I'm hired to consult, there's a learning curve that has to happen. And if you can get the basics of how to kind of navigate Instagram, then you can hire someone like me to come in and say, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like in your space. And sometimes I'll take on the accounts. My goal realistically is 10 followers a day when I'm working on an account. I think 100 followers a week is good. I think in, when we think about connecting with people in real life, we don't meet people on the street and go, hey, hi. And then all of a sudden, there's 100 people following you behind when you've just engaged, right? So I'm all about the quality, I guess, and getting people that are really going to be interested. So those 10 followers are not only going to be people that are that, that we've connected with, but people that are going to be your, your support and that are going to build loyalty and that are going to really actually buy your goods and services. So yeah, I think that there's resources, other consultants you can find. I think finding somebody that understands your industry is important. Somebody who's done it. I think if a small business, finding a small business advisor or consultant that's actually built a business successfully, a lot of people can tell you stuff, but that's where I feel like it's important to have. And I, I feel like that's kind of an advantage I have over other people who maybe teach is that I'm in there with you. I'm you, you are a small skin business in the owner. game. The I'm, reason yeah. why I bring this up is because a lot of businesses we talk to sort of look for advice on marketing mm-hmm. and like marketing their business. And why I thought this would be a good idea for conversations because this is a free tool. Just educate yourself on how to use it properly, but it can move mountains for your business potentially. So you instead of throwing thousands of dollars at a marketing campaign, which is 
uh, probably helpful in certain businesses. You know, some some businesses need to consider that. But for a lot of these small local I wasted a lot guys of and money. girls, I wasted a lot of money in my right. early trade. Four thousand dollars once I paid to have this marketing company help me, and I negotiated that down. It was a thousand a month, so that I because at the time I was helping promote products on KSL, and I they put me on a national circuit. And I had the, I had codes, I had everything. And at the time, the analytics wasn't great, but I don't think I had could trace back one sale versus understanding how to utilize the strategies on social media. And then I could actually make 30 sales in an afternoon. So yeah, I think you bring up a really great point. Just educating yourself, getting out there. I think, you know, Salt Lake Chamber does a great job of providing the Women's Business Center. There's a lot of other great resource, local resources that also help a Great lot. Great resources for small businesses. And Utah really is is chock full of uh, people and organizations that are willing to help entrepreneurs. The Small Business Development Center, which I'm a part of, is one of those. Um, we've been around for 40 years helping Utah businesses. But there's also SCORE. There's Women's Business Center, as you mentioned. There's other events that are going on across the valley of, of you know, there's phenomenal fees for workshops. Um, there's meetup groups. But there's, there's a lot. You know, people in Utah typically, it's a very giving state, I think. Uh, everybody wants to make money and do well, but people are willing to kind of, uh, you know, share as far as contacts and say, hey, here's someone to meet with, to talk with and and give input and, and advice at different times. And so I think we're really fortunate to be in, in Utah for, for that reason. And uh, it's a great, you know, this whole area, there's there's a lot of a lot of positive things going on in Utah right now and uh, across the whole, the whole state. So uh, Emily Ashby, thanks again for being with us today. Emily Ashby of Camera Coats, an expert in Instagram. Thank you, Bryce. Roberta Reichelt. Thank you. And Will Wright of Salt Lake City. Thank you. Again, I'm Bryce Hansen with the Small Business Development Center. Thanks so much for being with us, guys.